have a, a few faces this morning that are not always with us. Thank you for being here today. We'd love to have you back anytime that you can come. If, if you uh, look at the order of worship, and a lot of you probably don't unless you're, you're involved in it, but if you do, you may have noticed that I did not uh, give the order of worship as it is on the back of the bulletin. According to the order of worship, T.A. Smith is supposed to be standing in the middle when the Lord's Supper is served today. And I got to tell you, I chickened out. It's funny that you're not too nervous to stand up in front of this audience and deliver a gospel message, but you're too nervous to serve the Lord's Supper. Well, I, I was, and so I asked Terry Don if we could, uh, how about trading out with me? And so he was willing to do that. I'm going to pass. I'm nervous about even that. I'm telling you, when they hand me that tray with the fruit of the vine, I am scared to death. I am so afraid, and I shouldn't, I shouldn't be so nervous because this is what's going to happen someday. And hopefully, I, I think about it. If I'd quit thinking about it, I'd probably be okay. But I, I'm going to try to pass today, but Terry Don's going to be in the, in the center. He's, he's braver than I am. Our lesson begins today in the book of Hebrews. You might want to go ahead and turn there. We'll read from Hebrews chapter 1 in just a couple of minutes. We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Most people believe that it was the Apostle Paul, but the writer never actually identifies himself, and so we can't say for 100% certain that it was Paul. As the name implies... Hebrews was likely written to people who had a, a Jewish background, uh, thus the name uh, Hebrews, but they had given up the law of Moses. They had obeyed the gospel and become Christians. And that was, that was hard for a lot of those Jews to do in the early days. It was hard for them to completely let go of the law. The Jews had practiced it for centuries by this time, and it was hard for them to just let it go. And they likely had family and close friends who were still practicing the law and, and likely saying to them, Hey, this is what we've always done. This is what our family and our people have always done. Come on back and... And, and practice the law of Moses with us. And it could have been that some of them were considering doing that very thing. And I suspect there was probably some persecution going on. When we think about the persecution of Christians in the first century, we think about the Romans. And it is true that the Romans would become great persecutors of the church. But in the early days... Much of the persecution of Jewish Christians came from other Jews who were still practicing the law and they were trying to, to punish those Jewish Christians for accepting Jesus as that Messiah. They didn't believe that and they were punishing those who did with their persecution. And so if 
if they would just give up on Jesus, just give up on the church, go back to the law, all of those things would be fixed. The writer of Hebrews is trying to convince them not to do that. The gist of the book of Hebrews is that the law of Moses has been replaced by something better, and that is the new covenant of Jesus Christ. Don't need those mosaical priests anymore because the writer tells these folks, hey, we've got a great high priest, and he's now sitting at the right hand of God making intercession for us. His name is Jesus Christ. We don't need those mere mortals anymore. We don't need those animal sacrifices because Jesus was a one-time perfect sacrifice on the cross. We don't need those things anymore. The law of Moses had its place and it was important. But it's been replaced by something better. And that is the message that we see in the book of Hebrews. At the beginning of this book, this is what the writer says. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, and through whom also He made the worlds. Jesus was there all along. Who, talking about Jesus, being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power. When He had by Himself purged our sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as He has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. God spoke in time past, through the prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Amos and, and Hosea and, and, and all of the other prophets, but now He speaks to us through His Son, Jesus. His will is given to us in the pages of the New Testament. In the Old Testament, and if you happen to be here last Sunday night, uh, we, we discussed these things. In the Old Testament, God gradually reveals His plan for sending a Messiah into the world to save the human race from their sins. And it's a, it's a great story, and we can look back on it now, and we can see it so clearly. Uh, the promise to Abraham, I'm going to make of your seed a great nation, and through your seed, all the world will be blessed. I feel... Sure, Abraham didn't know what God had in mind. But we know that God was looking many centuries into the future to the day that He would send Jesus into the world. Then there was Isaac. Then there was Jacob. There were Jacob's sons, the going down into Egypt, Moses leading them back to the land of Canaan. All of that was part of the plan that God had in mind all along. And as we study the Old Testament, we can see God's hand 
in all of that. Guiding it, making things work out the way they should, and providing for and protecting that line down to that Messiah. As we look back at it now with 2020 vision, you know, we, we can see it clearly. It offers us some convincing evidence that the Bible must be the inspired Word of God. And as we look at those Old Testament prophecies and find their, their accurate fulfillment, sometimes in the Old Testament, sometimes in the New Testament, sometimes you need a good history book to find the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. I always think about Daniel who saw Alexander the Great conquering the Persians, the, the realm and the he-goat he saw. The he-goat to trample the realm under its feet. And, but then the he-goat died and his kingdom was divided into four parts. Brothers and sisters, that's exactly what happened with Alexander the great. But you won't find the fulfillment of that prophecy in the Bible. It's not in there. It happens in between the Old and the New Testament. But if you get a good history book and you look in the 300s BC, you will find the story of Alexander the Great. When we look at those things and we find their accurate fulfillment, it helps us see that there must have been an almighty God behind it all. There was a time that we call the patriarchal age when God spoke directly to the patriarchs. We mentioned Abraham just a minute ago. Let's, let's go back to, to Genesis chapter 17. And we will see... God talk, talking to Abraham. That's exactly what the, the text tells us. In Genesis 17, verse 1, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Can you imagine God, God is speaking to him? And I will make my covenant between me and you, and will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face, and you, can you imagine? And God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Nations. It seems from, from what we read uh, concerning the patriarchs, God just talked with them. Later, God selected prophets. And it's important to note that God, God picked the prophets. You didn't just decide, uh, well, I think I'm going to become a prophet. God, God selected the prophets. And they were His messengers in that day. Let me show you what happened with Jeremiah. Look at Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah chapter 1, starting in verse 4 now. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, 
Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. God already had a plan for Jeremiah. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And then said I, this is Jeremiah, Ah, Lord God, behold, I, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Verse 9, And then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. That's how it worked with the prophets. That's how God spoke to people in those days. That's not how he does it now. He still speaks to us, so for, for sure he does. But he does it in another way. Jesus himself tells us how that is in John chapter 12. Look with me there. The words of Jesus Christ in John chapter 12 and verse 44. This is what Jesus tells us for, for the Christian age, the days of, of the new covenant. In verse 44 he says, Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come as a light into the world, that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Now notice, if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day, for I have not spoken on my own authority. But the Father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that His command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. God speaks to us now through His Son. Jesus tells us in John 14 and verse 6 that, that I'm the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. But Jesus knew that his time here on this earth would be short. He, he knew that he wasn't going to be here for very long. So he trained men to carry on after he was gone. We know them as the apostles. And, and Paul was later added as he says about himself, one born out of due time. Paul was not with Jesus, but he saw him on the road to Damascus and heard his voice. Now... How did they know? After Jesus has ascended back to heaven, and here are the apostles left here on the earth, and they've got the big job of, of spreading the gospel, how did they know what to do? How did they know what to say? 
Well, God provided for that as well. Look with me at John chapter 14. John 14. This is how God provided for that. Beginning in verse 25. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He is just about to be crucified. He knows his time is short. And this is what he says. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. God is, God's going to help them with the Holy Spirit after Jesus is gone. Look in John chapter 16. He reassures them again. Beginning in verse 12. I still have, this is Jesus talking to them now. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit would guide them in what they should do and what they should say when Jesus ascended back to heaven. And we know that the Holy Spirit fell on the apostles on the day of Pentecost, recorded for us in Acts chapter 2. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21, Peter said that holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. That's how they did it after Jesus ascended back to heaven. Now at first, their teaching was verbal. But later they began to write, still guided by the Holy Spirit. They could still write those things that God wanted them to write. And, and I believe, this is, this is T.A. talking uh, here, but I believe that there, were, there must have been many, many letters and notes and messages that were written back in the first century, I truly believe there were, that have not been preserved for us today. But some of them have been saved. And they've been collected into a book that we call the New Testament, and we can study that every day and find out what God would have us to do. We still have God's Word today recorded for us in the New Testament. God speaks to us now through His Son in the pages of the New Testament. But that message means just as much as if God were standing right here in this pulpit this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. Paul tells us, that all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, 
and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Everything, everything that we need to go to heaven is in the pages of this book. God doesn't do it today like He did in the days of Abraham or in the days of Jeremiah, but He speaks with the same authority as He did in those days. When God speaks, our only response is to comply with His Word. We cannot argue. We cannot debate. We certainly cannot uh, alter the Word to, to suit ourselves. All we can do is, is study God's Word, see what He would have us to do, and be obedient to it. That's, that's all that's going to work. That's all that will do. And that includes His plan of salvation which teaches us to repent of our sins, which teaches us to confess our faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, to be immersed in the waters of baptism for the remission of sins, and to be faithful till death. That's what God tells us to do in His Word. If we have done those things but not been as faithful as we should have been. If we are willing to turn away from those things that caused us to fall away, we can ask for the prayers of the faithful and be restored. We can do those things. You can do those things while we stand and while we sing.